many of us in this world find ourselves searching for ways to feel more alive. We move through our lives day after day, living through the same repetitive cycles and the same stressful patterns that often leave us feeling defeated, underappreciated, or unfulfilled. But what if there were a different way to perceive life? What if out there we were able to find the keys to a happy, healthy, and fulfilling reality in the lives that we're living right here, right now? For those of us who are looking for a way to transform our lives, for those of us who are looking to fully live in this moment, to change how we feel, how we perceive the world, and awaken to a better reality so we can fully live this life. This is the Live This Life Podcast. And I'm your host, Heath Cummings. I'm here to inspire you to ask yourself the question, are you living or are you killing time? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Live This Life podcast. On today's special interview episode, I have the pleasure of presenting a very special guest, a person who's become a good friend and mentor to me, the one and only Ben Carroll. Ben's story is, is so unique. And for some of you who, who know me well, um, you might know that my favorite all-time band is, uh, is the band Ra. That's Ra like the Egyptian sun god. And Ben was and actually still is the lead guitarist for them. And they hit it really big in like the early 2000s. They had signed with Universal Records and they made it fairly big. Um, went on tour. They had big songs like Do You Call My Name and Rectifier and Fallen Angels. Um, but now Ben's path is a totally new one, specializing in guiding others to new levels of healing, self-discovery, strengthening of the inner self through his platform, The Inner Self Sustained. The, his sound journey work has a profound impact on so many people, myself included, and he really does help strengthen the mind, body, and soul connection through the work that he does. So here is my friend and sound healer extraordinaire, Ben Carroll. Ben, welcome to Live This Life. Thank you so much for having me, Heath. I'm, I'm, I'm really psyched to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. You know, I've, I've known of you for years and I've gotten to know you pretty well over the last few years and watching your work, watching what you do. Um, and you've really like opened up my eyes in the beginning of my journey to uh, a lot of different concepts and philosophies. I kind of call you like my, my uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi where you kind of like opened up the door <laughs> for some of the stuff that I've learned. Um, so thank you for all the work that you do. It's uh, amazing stuff. Thank you. There's no higher compliment than that. You know, it's good to, it's good. It's really good to hear that. So thank you. So before we dive into a whole bunch of stuff, I always ask a very predictable question. What does it mean to live your best life? According to Ben Carroll. Living, uh, living my best life is just living in tune, you know, living in, in a state of resonance where I'm just in tune with my own higher self in tune with the planet. And, um, just open and receptive as well, living from a space of kindness and compassion and realizing that my, my path, um, my, my highest path is not going to be the same as everybody else's. So also approaching life from that space of kindness and compassion where, you know, allow other people to, to have their own experience as well, which I think is really solid advice for what's going on in the world right now. It's a little, there might be a little bit of division going on. But yeah, I, I, my, um, my, my personal space, my personal path is uh, just trying to maintain a higher resonance and maintain a place where I can live from a connected space rather than live in act rather than, than just 
float around and react. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's a great perspective to have. So, I mean, I don't even, I, let's dive in at the beginning, I guess. Let's dive into to the earlier parts of, um, of what life was like for you. You know, like the, the early days kind of before raw, you know, you studied music, correct? Like what, you know, how did you really get into like the whole music scene and what led you up to, you know, what inner self-sustained is and everything that involved, uh, with making that transition? Yeah, well, I've always been, um, I've always been some sort of a musician, you know, I was always drawn to sound, um, had, uh, you know, lots of interesting experiences as a kid, energetic experiences, experiences with, with sound, but, um, the way society is, you know, you get into, you get into uh, music and you want to be a musician. So everybody tells you, you have to write songs and you have to get your songs on the radio if you want to be a successful musician. So I was like, all right, I guess that's what I got to do. <laughs> and um, went to Berkeley College of Music right out of high school, went there for uh, a few years, jumped around a little bit, uh, moved up to the West Coast, moved back. But long story short is I got to the point in music school where I felt like learning anymore would only benefit me if I was actually going to teach it. So I decided to take a break from college and actually try and um, play music instead of learning about playing music. And... Um, Went out and a few years later, I was signed to Universal Records. <laughs> Never made it back to Berkeley, and you know, and um, the the whole raw experience was was absolutely amazing and definitely an opening experience because I was very shy when I was younger. I grew up on a farm, a little bit secluded, um, in Massachusetts, and you know, being thrust into that world was kind of um, definitely a shock. <laughs> to just being, you know, around that many people all the time is, is intense when, when you're a bit of an empath as well. I bet. So from, you know, from the raw days, I mean, you guys had, uh, you know, a lot of success in the beginning and, um, you know, the, the band itself, you know, I, I think you guys took a, you guys took like your own unique road, you know, more of an authentic road, which I think, and I think in a way is an awesome thing, but then also I think there was like a little bit of a, a turmoil there with record companies and stuff. So, I mean, I think you guys, everybody always called you guys like the most underrated band that were ever, that was out there. Um, and I, I totally agree with that when you guys were super talented, but you know, yeah, and, and the trouble with record labels is, is the most underrated statement. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. There's a lot to that story. I don't know how much, I don't know how much of that one to, uh, to dive into, but um you know, it's, I think taking the authentic road that you guys took was, was a good choice. I mean, it, it might've held things back a little bit, but, um, I think too many people in the music industry don't take the authentic path. And that's a new thing mm -hmm. for new theme for me is the whole authenticity thing. So I applaud that one, but so what happened, you know, with the raw days, you guys had huge tours and all that. Um, you know, once that, that whole life sort of faded out, how did you transition into what you're doing now? That is a long and convoluted path. <laughs> uh, Ra went to hiatus back in like 2009 or so. Um, and I, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do next. So I decided to move up to Maine, up to Portland, Maine, and just kind of decompress. I was going to hang out in Maine for six months and um, figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And uh, yeah, I'm still in Maine over a decade later, but I got up here and just started doing a lot of searching. Um, first I started, I started another band, but then I quickly realized that that really wasn't what I wanted to be doing. 
so I just started doing a lot of hiking, getting out into the woods, got into meditation, took meditation classes, uh, started studying Reiki and just really shifted my path significantly. And it all just kind of happened synchronistically. You know, it was a lot of amazing experiences. And somewhere along the line, I discovered singing bowls. I experienced them myself probably for the first time in like 2012 or 2013. And was just instantly captivated by them. There's something about singing bowls that are so amazing for so many people. They have such a powerful way of just kind of shutting down your brain and, and helping helping to get to a state where a lot of healing can, and releasing can occur. People can release a lot of things. Um, but I was always curious what it would be like to sing with singing bowls, which is what I'm doing a lot of these days. And um, eventually I got some and started started working with the singing bowls and singing with that singing with the bulls and it just became my own personal practice every day of um, singing with the bulls and kind of traveling on the sound. And I never in a million years thought I would actually be doing it with anybody. (laughs) That that was actually kind of mortifying. But through definite higher guidance and and pure manipulation, half joking. <laughs> I, uh, I ended up doing, doing that with people and, and immediately went very well and kind of took off very quickly. And I found myself doing, you know, hosting sound events for people regularly, you know, a, a couple of few times a week, a lot of times. But yeah, there's, there's a lot more depth to that path. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's the short story. Yeah. I mean, as much as you want to share with us, I mean, first, what you just touched on right there, um, I had such a deep resonation when I heard you talk about this on another um, podcast, I think a while back when you did the Positive Head podcast, um, about how the, the, the guidance and the timing that kind of thrust you into doing the sound healing and stuff. And it was right after I had started this podcast because it was something, this was something that mm-hmm. terrified me. Like I, I, the only reason I did it was because it scared me. So I felt like I had to do it. And when I heard you tell that portion of your story, I'm like, it, it was something that obviously you had to shift into and it took a little bit of like a, a nudge and a prod to do it. But um, it's just another one of those, those same type of stories that I hear over and over again that people go through that similar type of thing where they... They know it's something that would be great to do and they just need that little bit of a nudge. So thankfully you did have that nudge because um, I know this is, it's been hugely beneficial to me and a lot of people that I've turned on to some of your stuff. And um, I'm glad it worked out this way for you. Thank you. Yeah. And synchronicity is something, you know, everybody experiences um, on one level or another. And as you start to become more aware of it, you start to see how, how much it actually happens, especially when you seem to be on the right path and heading the right direction. Synchronicity can be like amazing. And I was, you know, kind of guided along this path through synchronicity. Um, and, you know, just, just the whole kind of spiritual awakening uh, or reawakening. Cause I was, I was very, I was very much in tune pre-raw. And then I got sucked into that whole world very materialistic, very built around success and trying to achieve success, which was great and was an amazing experience. And having lots of people that really dig what you do is definitely great for the ego, which I probably needed that boost because I was really shy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, shifting to a more spiritual path. When Once you start to 
I was luck, lucky enough that I was able to like come up to Maine and just kind of hang out for a little bit. I, I didn't, you know, I started teaching guitar a couple days a week and I was just supporting myself doing that two days a week online all over the world, which I, I still do. I've been doing that for, for a long time now. Um, but yeah, I was working two days a week and allowed me to just explore a lot of things. And I, I um, met a great group of people and I got involved with a, um, a uh, I don't even know what to call it, a nonprofit called the Star Teachings and just got involved in amazing community and community is another thing that's, that can be so opening. Once you're, once you're on your path, it's something that can really help, especially you know if you're on the, the same page, at least facing the same direction, not necessarily on the same page. Um, I feel like that can really, when, once you start working from that space, you can really amplify that when you're working with people, which is also why I, I generally only do group events because that's something I'm also really called to do is working with group energy. I've seen how the energy of people coming together is so much more powerful. You know, it's, it's not like you take four people and put them together and you have the power of four. It's like exponentially amplified. It's amazing. Right. And I don't even remember what the question was, but that was the train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we were pretty much going into, you know, just how this, how this whole thing transpired for you. And, um, you know, talking, talking about the synchronicity. I mean, we talked a little bit about that on this podcast and this, I see this podcast really gravitating towards people who are kind of starting out in, you know, a, more of a spiritual path and, and sort of entertaining some of these metaphysical type of things. And they're, that's why I have people like you who are, who are sort of a, a great introductory or, a, you know, a knowledge base. Cause I'm by no means knowledge base on a lot of this stuff. I'm just kind of the signpost pointing people in different directions, but I feel like you've got a great knowledge base on a lot of these different subjects. What is, what is really, how would you define synchronicity? Synchronicity is, was actually coined by Carl Jung um, over, over a hundred years ago, just as a term that basically means meaningful coincidence. Mm -hmm. And um, I read a lot of Carl Jung when I was younger and, and some, some really interesting theories about human consciousness. But yeah, synchronicity is uh, Meaningful coincidences, um, a perfect example. Well, you know, for, for to keep it general at first, you know, a lot of people start by seeing eleven eleven. That's a really common one. You start to notice that, and you're like, oh, cool, eleven eleven. And then you see it like twice every day for so long, and then you see it like on street signs and on mailboxes, and you're like, okay. <laughs> um, and when you start to pay attention to that, it starts to open up in other things. And for me, you know, just internally, different numbers tend to take on different things, and I always take take on meaning different things and, and it it kind of becomes kind of like a guidance system which can sound crazy you know <laughs> but it's when you have experiences that are that there's you know so far beyond coincidence that um that you know you can't write it off and when you have that happen repeatedly you know you start to realize that maybe there's something else going on and a really, I mean, I've had it happen so many times with the one that's coming to mind right now is we just did a little bit of a raw reunion, just a couple shows on a cruise ship. And I really was going to say, no, I wasn't going to do it because, you know, I'm, it's not the world I'm involved in anymore. And I was really torn with it. And I kind of like, wasn't really giving an answer. And I was like, I decided, you know, I sat down and I, I was, every morning I kind of sit with a candle and just kind of do my own kind of meditation, my morning meditation. 
and I was really just thinking on it. I was, you know, I was, I was so torn and I was trying to decide, um, I was trying to decide if I should or not. And, you know, nothing, you know, I was still torn and, you know, finished doing that. And I flipped open my phone and, and opened up Instagram and you know how like Instagram, you scroll down to and you get an ad. I had an ad for a, a cruise that basically said like, go, I don't remember the exact wording. <laughs> and I don't think I had just said it out loud. Cause I know if your phone listens to you these days, but <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but that was like, all right, I'll go. But you know, that's, and that's just one example of, of so many things. Like I was, I was actually, um, two, two and a half years ago, I was planning on moving to Asheville and, uh, just wasn't adding up. And I was, I, I was literally riding in the car with someone. I was like, I had, we had a friend Teal that lived down there and I was like, well, maybe we should call Teal and see what her experience is down there. And, and as soon as I said that, we drove by a street sign that said Teal drive and so many things like that. And, you know, that's synchronicity in, in a nutshell and it, it, you know, it can get even more deep and even more intense and even more personal than that. Yeah. It's funny because the whole, the whole relationship between you and I, all of it is built on a synchronicity. I had like a, like a fascination with ancient Egypt for the longest time. And I just mm. on a whim one time when I was on vacation, I just bought this little tiny um, eye of raw necklace and I had it and I wore it every once in a while. Um, and I remember the very first time I heard a raw song, I was sitting in a parking lot, we were pulling into a certain place and I heard it. And then I heard, uh, it was like on AAF and I heard them say who it was. And I remember trying to search for it, but I was, I was spelling R A W instead of R A. Then I found <laughs> out like it was, it was like raw, the, the sun God. And I, like the same day I found it out, I had lost that necklace and then that necklace showed up. And then from that, like the, the eye of raw, like when you do a cross section of the brain, it matches the um, pineal gland and that whole area of the brain and everything. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, followed you guys for a long time. Every show we ever went to, me and my wife were literally standing right in front of you for every single one of the shows in the front row. And then, you know, raw goes on the hiatus. And after you started doing your work, I was kind of like, what has Ben doing now? Like you started putting stuff on social media and you were like, you know, I totally wasn't in any sort of like a spiritual state. I was probably in like my worst type a like super cop guy kind of attitude back then. Mm -hmm. And, um, you started posting your stuff and it was right through when I was starting to go through some of my sort of like a spiritual journey and awakening. And a lot of the stuff that you'd open the door for, I, I dived on those rabbit holes and it led to a whole thing for me. So, I don't think I'd be where I was if it just wasn't for those simple little tiny synchronicities that happened way back in the day. You can kind of follow the the trail all the way back to that stuff. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. We're awesome. Yeah. And yeah, again, really, really cool to hear that. Yeah. So with your singing bowls, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people are like, what is a, a singing bowl? <laughs> I mean, you can kind of see them in the video behind you and we might have play a couple clips on this on social media, but um, what, what is exactly a singing bowl for people who don't know? The singing, well, singing bowls uh, have been around for thousands of years. The original ones are the Tibetan bowls, which you might, which a lot of people are familiar with as like the metal bowls that you kind of, you hit and it creates a tone and you can, and you can create a sustained tone. Um, and the, uh, the ones that I use are actually made out of quartz crystal. Um, and they're just, they, they create pretty much a drone they create a, a droning sound that, well, I guess you can kind of hear it. If I play one really quick, go ahead. Just, just for a second. It sounds like this. Yeah. 
So it, it creates a drone that just kind of, um, and it can be really powerful when you're, when you're meditating that. Drones are something that people have been using for millennia, as like I, I think I said that in the beginning, is, is modes of transport and ways to, to release things and achieve altered states of consciousness and entrain energetically together. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what, what crystal bowls do. Awesome. Now you've you've made quite the uh, the name for yourself in that field. I mean, I know you travel around a lot of the Northeast. And you do a lot of these shows. I've seen one in person. I know we had some more lined up before this pandemic stuff happened. But um, you know, how has how has that worked out for you? Like, how has that whole thing transitioned for you and, and come about? Sure. Well, I mean, I even before I had bowls, I I actually started working with tuning forks and just kind of and. Um, working with those, working with, working with tones in that way and had some, some really interesting experiences. So I, I became very aware of the, some of the power that sound can actually have. Um, and like I said, I, I, I had experienced the bowls and I experienced them several times. Um, but I was always curious what it'd be like to sing with them. So I, um, I ended up just buying a whole bunch in a short period of time and just started started working with the bowls, started just kind of using it for myself, traveling on the sound. And I would do it every morning anywhere from like 20 minutes or time would get away from me a lot of times and literally three hours would go by and it wow. would feel like 20 minutes just kind of letting go and, and being open and just allowing sound to come out. You know, I was singing with the bowls, so I would play the bowls and just kind of sing along and kind of just open up and channel sound, just whatever whatever happened. Um, and I, yeah, I really never planned on doing that in front of anyone, just like you're talking about with your podcast, because it pretty much scared the hell out of me. <laughs> being, being, you know, just opening up and being that vulnerable in front of a group of people. Because when you're writing songs, it's a little bit different. When you're, when you're performing songs, you know, you're, you're playing a song and people know the song and you're, even if it's improvised music, it's still following a structure. But when you're just kind of opening up in creating sound with just from a, a space of pure vulnerability, it, it's, uh, it's a little bit more intimidating. Um, and I, like I said, I started doing that every day and I did that for, for quite a while. Um, probably a year or, or more before I ever actually worked with people. Um, and what happened was, I, I, like I said, I, I had been teaching guitar a couple days a week, but all of a sudden, literally all my guitar students dried up within a matter of about a month, which was really odd because I have a really low turn turnover rate to begin with and students that have been with me for years and all this stuff. And it wasn't like, I wasn't teaching well anymore, at least I hope. <laughs> Everybody had a really good reason for stopping lessons, but literally my income completely dried up. And then I got offered a couple opportunities to do the sound. And I was in a place where that was going to be really helpful having that income. So I did it. And uh, one of the first places I did it was actually at a wellness fair in Portland, the Portman, the Portland Enlightenment Expo, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of vendors there and a lot of those vendors had their own places and people heard it and they, I got several offers to go and do other events through that. And it steamrolled really quickly and with, in a matter of probably a month or two, definitely a month or two, that had become my main source of income and it has just, you know, continued to pick up and I, I had, uh, 
I had already kind of, I had been experimenting with sound. I started with the tuning forks and started recording different music as well. Um, music with voice and bowls and a lot of other stuff. Um, my first album I released in 2000, my first album in that style was released in 2015. It was called Multidimensional Voice. And that went really well. And then after, and that was really before I started doing the sound healing work, this, the sound journeys with people. And in the, I guess it was four years in between, three or four years, a lot of the stuff that kept repeatedly coming up in uh, the sound work, I started to, um, I started to recognize and started to incorporate it. And I actually decided to put together an album of all that. And my last album was um, called Becoming Light, which came out back in October, was uh, a lot of that stuff and some other stuff. And that actually ended up debuting at number six on the New Age Billboard chart, which was yes. totally amazing. Um, but again, that, that all that's music just kind of happened. I was at a place where rock music just wasn't doing it for me anymore. So I was like, I just started playing around and try, tried to create the music that I was looking for and I couldn't find. And that stuff just kind of grew out of it. The whole, the whole thing on one level, you know, the, 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 way, the music I'm doing now and the singing bowls and working with people, on one level, it seems like a total fluke and a complete accident. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and on another level, it seems like totally divinely guided and synchronistic, you know, like, like it was supposed to happen. I think that's probably like the most magical part about it. Cause I know your story. Well, I you know, just, I want you to tell it to everybody else, but like, I remember when your all your guitar clients had sort of dried up. I remember you saying something about that. And then all of a sudden this sort of sprung out of that. And it's like, that's another example of those stories where there's no way that your mind can plan what life in the universe has planned for you. You know, like you think it's going to work out a certain way or you've got, you know, certain designs of grandeur. Like you thought about being a rock star when you were a kid and stuff. And then, you know, the, the universe pushes you in this direction and it unfolded in a way that you just couldn't imagine. And when you're going through some of it, it's like, man, how am I going to get money? Like, wh where am I going to get income from? And then all of a sudden <laughs> this other thing shows up for you and you get on this other path. And before you know it, you have a, uh, a billboard, charting album on this type of music that maybe no, otherwise, I mean, if somebody told you 15 years ago that you were going to be doing this kind of music in the middle of your raw days, like I'm sure you probably wouldn't have imagined that that was going to yeah, go that route. Not at all. No, but it, that's, that's the way life is. And, you know, especially if you're, if you can allow yourself to have, just have faith and just, just allow yourself to explore different things. Cause all this just came about because I'd, I decided to just kind of let go and drop the ambition and just kind of explore life in a different way, explore consciousness deeper, uh, really getting back to my early roots because I almost left music school to go to, to, go to school for uh, psychology at, at, at one point around the time I decided to just play music instead. Um, but just, you know, that openness and that exploration and then just being open to whatever guidance comes up. And a lot of that, I feel like, just comes from higher parts of ourselves. Um, just when you're open and willing and, and able to allow yourself that space, amazing things can happen. Just mm -hmm. aligning with uh, the more positive things in the world can open up a lot of doors. And it usually always does. I mean, I've just, I've seen that. I've seen what the opposite does and I've seen what it does when you're in tune with everything and where that stuff can go. And it just, it's like the same story over and over again. It's the main inspiration for doing this podcast. Cause if I can motivate other people to, to do exactly what you did, just trust in 
what can unfold for you and you just allow it to happen, those things usually show up. Yeah, which is a lot of times a lot easier to say than do. <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. In the middle of those rough times, I mean, people can just say, hey, just trust and let go. And it's like, yeah, just tell that to the panic that you know, doesn't subside day to day. So <laughs> I get it. And I'm sure a lot of people are going through that now. I mean, that's it's uh, it's easy for some people who have kind of been through difficult times to say, you know, we were seasoned or whatever, you know, it's easy for people who have kind of been through some hardships to yeah. sit back and say, you know, don't worry about it. This thing's all going to shake out. It's all going to work in a, a great, great way afterwards. I mean, even with you, I'm sure, you know, all of a sudden your sound healing stuff, your album charts on billboard, and then all of a sudden coronavirus starts to knock on the door. And now all your in-person events are no more, you know, until this whole thing is <laughs> over. But, you know, you've managed to to adapt. You've had your your online stuff, correct? Yeah, which which has been going amazingly well. At, at this point in life, you know, I'm I'm pretty grounded and, and I, I allow things just to flow and things dried up. And I was like, all right. And it really it ha- had been on my to do list for a couple of years to set up an online way of doing what I do in, in studios. But um, I was really just too busy. Um, and this dried up and I immediately went into doing that and, and started putting together everything I needed to um, take what I do in studios, kick it up a notch, adding in things like binaural beats and synth pads and um, some percussion. I actually recorded and sampled some of my like some of my own instruments, like a shaker and a, a native frame drum and put all put all that together and figured out that was the easy part. And then <laughs> figuring out how to make it sound good and live stream it. That was like a, a six week process of full time work. And then, yeah, and, and I've done uh, a couple events with that setup and they've gone extremely well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited because I've been trying to figure out. I've had people ask me to come to England and to come to Australia and to come to all these places. and. I haven't figured out how to fly with the bowls yet. They're, they're pretty fragile. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Quartz crystal singing bowls, they're, they're kind of like made out of a quartz glass. Um, but yeah, the, um, the online streaming thing has opened up doors to reach a lot more people. And I'll speak from someone who's attended both of the ones that you've done so far. Um, like I just told you before, we hit the record button. The, the second one was even better than the first. It was, uh, and I'm, I'm, new to the meditation world, but feel like I'm kind of like an advanced novice. And it was one of like the deepest meditation type things. It was, you know, an hour and a half long event and it was amazing. So we'll talk about that more towards the end, but uh, people who haven't checked that out, you definitely should. Um, when you follow Ben's stuff on, on social media, got to check out one of those, those events that he does next one. So you mentioned earlier about how you kind of had sort of a, a spiritual process going before the raw days. And then during that time doing all the rock shows and stuff, you kind of like let that go and then you picked it back up. You know, where did, where did a lot of the spiritual philosophies that you, you talk about now, the things that I've learned from you, where did all those really start originating from? Like, where have you, where did you pick a lot of that stuff up in the beginning? Um, well, I've always had a lot of, if, if we're going down rabbit holes, I've, yeah. al- I've always had a lot of uh, interesting energetic experiences as a kid, just, um, and kind of guidance in a way, and and um, started trying to corroborate different things because very early on I started to not see 
the world as an honest place. The way the way things are designed seems. I don't know how people let it fly when you have people that are making literally billions of dollars. You know, individuals making so much money that they can never spend, and at the same time, there's thousands of people starving. Mm-hmm. And that's you know one example of many many things. There's a lot of craziness in the world. Um, so I, I I kind of you know started listening to my own t- intuition and started exploring a lot of different things. I started you know reading any book I could get my hands on, which at that time, it literally pre-internet, it was so hard to find good information. Um, I, I you know stumbled on books like Brian Weiss's Many Lives Many Masters, and um, I read a lot of Carl Jung stuff because I got into him um, and just whatever I could find, but it, there was no cohesive path to it. It was always just like pulling things in and trying to make sense of things. And I literally, you know, it was, it was frustrating because I didn't know a lot of people that saw the world the way I did. And I was kind of a recluse, kind of, sort of, at the same time. I was a musician, so I was non-reclusive when I played music. <laughs> um, but I kind of got to a point where I just kind of like was, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm because I, I had been thinking about going back back to school or to school, changing schools to go to school for psychology, but that's when I decided to just see what happened if I actually just played some music and, and go out in the world and do that. And um, I decided, and what was the inspiration kind of for that was I was also reading a lot from the author Hermann Hesse, who is a German author um, in the book specifically Narcissus and Goldman is kind of like a story of, of these two guys. One takes the spiritual path and one takes the worldly path. And I kind of decided that maybe I should just like go out in the world and see what happens. And I decided to start, start a band and see, you know, just see what happens. And then, you know, a, a, a few years later or less signed to universal records and life got, crazy you know going from going from that reclusive space to being in a rock band where all of a sudden everybody wants your attention Mm -hmm. is intense you know that was a lot to handle for me because i was not into that kind of energy directed (laughs) at me so yeah i i started uh to deal with that by uh by lubricating my personality with alcohol (laughs) (laughs) and um not that i was ever like absolutely out of control or anything but i i living on the road and doing that i definitely drank a lot more than i do now which is absolutely nothing um and for that whole period of time being very motivated to get songs in the radio and living that lifestyle pretty much completely shut off that part of me Mm -hmm. you know i was just engrossed in the world, which is actually, <clears throat> looking back, the exact choice I made to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and without having all those experiences, I wouldn't be the person who I am today, that I am today. And, you know, looking back, I think a lot of us have had experiences in our lives and that, um, you know, necessary things to get us to where we are now, you know, all, all the stuff. But, um, being being 
in that space on the road and shutting down and just kind of forgetting all that. And I remember um, someone gifting me the Celestine prophecy at one point when I was yes. on the road and I read it and I was, I was like, oh my God, I'm like totally doing the wrong thing. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And just got really depressed. And, you know, it was like, I'm not, this isn't, this isn't the the path I'm supposed to be on. And then, you know, the other part of me is like, well, it definitely is because you work so hard to get here. So, you, you know, you have that back and forth. But, you know, still still kind of drowned out that voice for a little while. But then when Ra went to hiatus, I, I started to slowly open back up. And, I, you know, I, I stopped drinking again. For me, alcohol just does not agree with me anymore. But it, it seems to, like, kind of shut down that intuitive part of me. Um, alcohol does. And that's me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But that's me personally. It kind of shuts that down. And um, once I started to stop drinking and I actually started to, to sing a, a lot, that seemed to have some kind of opening for me as well, actually using my voice in that way. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's something I could talk about a lot more because there's, there's a, a lot of things that happened. Um, but um, just opening back up and starting to be in a place where I, you know, remembered the, the depth that I had kind of forgotten by being in the world um, and moving back into a place, the place where you're kind of in the world, but not of the world, if that makes sense. Yep. You know, that is, uh, that is a, um, an interesting path. And I feel like a lot of people are, are going through that. And, and I think it's easier just to call it waking up. That's a lot of people are just kind of waking up and realizing that the, the system is, not necessarily beneficial for a lot of people and that there's something deeper going on that human consciousness is a lot more powerful than we give it credit for. And you start going down all those rabbit holes and you start realizing, you know, the, the tie in with, with, uh, with quantum quantum physics, with metaphysics and how our consciousness is scientifically proven to have a direct effect on the world around us. And oh, yeah. you start going down that rabbit hole and you realize that your consciousness is shaping the world for you. Um, and then you get into things like where you might discover Ho'opono Opono, where, um, which if you don't know, rather than getting into it, just Google. <laughs> um, good luck trying to spell it because I couldn't tell you. Um, but realizing that our consciousness has a massive effect on the world around us. But then when you add in being in groups of people and coming together in groups and how that exponentially amplifies that, you know, and there's been studies on how med meditation people have come together and meditated together and literally scientifically proven. And it's a study that's been repeated to reduce crime and, and all this fun stuff, the meditation effect, um, you start to realize that there is definitely a lot more going on in the world and we are a lot more powerful than we're led to believe. And when we can come together and not be so divided, like I, like I said earlier, not necessarily be on the same page, but at least face the same direction, um, get over our differences, I think we, could, we can change the world pretty easily. You know, we're, we're so sold on all these differences you know, these different, these superficial differences really at the core, what I think what we're all looking for is, is just the ability to thrive in this world and to experience kindness and compassion and happiness. And that, regardless of what that is for people, that is pretty important stuff. 
and you know we get so drawn into these storylines that we f- that we feel like it has to be one specific way but i've come to believe you know our our consciousness we're in this in the state of duality we live in we we need that contrast in order to function and actually hold the resonance of what we are what we are looking towards without the contrasting portion of that it actually couldn't exist for you so you know <laughs> you get the picture and again i don't remember what the question was but the contrast that was the first part i wanted to to emphasize on what you said because I feel like so often in our lives, people don't realize that if everything went good for you all the time, if you were born with a silver spoon, if you were just given every single thing in your life that you wanted, the instant you wanted it, you would start to have sort of the spoiled child sort of effect because Mm. just get everything you want. There wouldn't be much gratitude and appreciation because you wouldn't realize what it's like not to have those things. And sometimes you appreciate things so much more when they take a long time to get there or when you have to earn those things. Um, Absolutely. And I think that contrast that you went through, I mean, with your spiritual journey, just that portion of what you talked about, you were first talking about, you know, you had these concepts and then you sort of put them on the back burner while you were in the raw days. And I think that you had that, that pursuit of the material things and, you know, all those, those things that you, you know, materialistic type stuff and the the recognition, the ego fulfillment from all that excitement. I think that was a huge buildup to show you sort of like your road that was out in front of you. Cause I feel like the path that you're on right now is one, this new one for you is just kind of starting out. And I feel like you're kind of at a really huge upward trajectory on not only your, your own career, but where the world needs to go. And um, some of the things that people are opening their eyes to with, with meditation, sound healing and all that kind of stuff. So I think you're in the right place at the right time. I feel like you're kind of one of the biggest pioneers in that area. And I don't think you would have been there if it wasn't for all that contrast. Cause you dove right back in after the whole raw stuff was over and you went to the seclusion up in Maine and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely not. And you know, really when we look back, we, we, the the biggest growth in my life has has come through the hardest things that have happened and i think you know talking with people that seems to be the case for everyone yes the, the worst things that ever happened to me were always the best things that ever happened to me <laughs> yes it's so true and it's really hard at the time but the, experiencing that contrast is so important because it, it allows us to grow spiritually emotionally physically it allows it allows for growth and that's why we are here we're not just here to to um to just mindlessly go to work, watch TV, go to sleep. You know, we're, we're here on an exploration of consciousness. We, I, I def, I firmly believe that we are uh, eternal beings and, but at the same time we come in and process our consciousness through these filters as we come into this physical reality matrix and the specific belief systems that we hold are are different from our higher self so that we can experience that contrast so that we can grow on multiple 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 levels multi multi multi-dimensionally you know just being able to expand experience ourselves as um as contrast from from who we really are on, on a different level of contrast but yeah there's there's um there's lots of rabbit holes there <laughs> I, the the whole concept that we're just the universe experiencing itself is like one of the best things, like one of the, the best things I ever heard and that kind of sort of makes sense of why we're here in some sort of way, because it's, it's often people ask that question, you know, why am I even here? What's the purpose of life? And just pondering those little things that we're the universe experiencing itself is, uh, is huge. And, you know, I've noticed that people in, um, 
in generations past, their life would sort of just be what it was. They wouldn't really go through this huge transformation process. They just kind of, they'd be born, they go into a career and they just kind of do their thing. And that would be the end of life. And, you know, so many people that I, I come across lately, yourself included, you have these like many lifetimes within this lifetime already. And, you know, for, for we're still pretty young. There's still a lot of, a lot of time out there to experience a whole lot of other things. So you wonder, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, um, that there's definitely a shifting going on right now. And actually the, when, um, when you actually asked me on this, I remember, I just remembered that you actually said you wanted to talk about the somatics. Yes. Um, and, um, so somatics, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's, uh, you've probably seen a video of it. And one of the more popular ways of showing it is when you take a sheet of metal and attach a speaker to it and then play pure tone frequencies through the sheet of metal, um, like pure tone frequencies, like sine waves, like what a singing bowl creates, and then sprinkle some kind of powder onto the sheet of metal. As you hit specific resonant frequencies, you get these very specific patterns that form, um, depending on the container itself, but you get these very specific patterns that form and all of the particles are moving and flowing, but they're moving and flowing together and holding this specific pattern until you start to raise that frequency up. Then that pattern starts to dissolve and all the particles start moving without any relation to uh, anything else. It seems like chaos from our perspective until you get to the point where you, where you hit that next resonant frequency and then instantaneously you get an even more beautiful, even more complicated pattern that snaps in and everything is moving and flowing together again. And to me, that is, that is um, exactly what's going on in the world right now. Um, you know, I, I believe that our, the nature of our existence is that of vibration, frequency, and resonance, like that famous Nikolai Tesla quote. And uh, right now, we're, we're literally, our solar system is literally entering into, a, into an energetic cloud in the, in the universe. Uh, our, our portion of the solar system is entering into an energetic cloud, and we're being inundated with, with higher frequencies. And this is coming in and uh, affecting us on, um, on multiple levels, but it's also affecting our state of consciousness and people are starting to wake up. And in this waking up, that's, I believe that's why, where a lot of the chaos that we've been seeing in the world is coming from, just things starting to move in different ways, starting to move in, um, into a state of flux so that we can ultimately bring ourselves up to the next level and snap into an even more beautiful, even more complicated pattern. I think we are well in the midst of that right now. And that's, that's something looking at things like the mind calendar and other ancient teachings that have specifically pointed at this time, because it's kind of hardwired into the universe. You can, you can, uh, you can map it out. And I, I believe that they did that, that we'd be entering into a, a different long cycle within the evolution, the, uh, the um, basically galactic rotation, whatever whatever you want to call that, and entering into a, a space where we get inundated with these higher frequencies and it affects our consciousness, which in turn affects us as a society, which in turn causes massive change on the planet. And I think that's where we're at. It's amazing that those ancient civilizations had that. I mean, the procession of the equinox is what you're talking about, where it takes, you know, basically like an entire orbit to go around the... Um, the solar system or yeah. the, 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 uh, the galaxy 25,900 years. Yeah. Like that's crazy. It's a crazy amount of time and so many things go along with that. I mean, they, they just, they had those things plotted out and you think of the fact that it took 26,000 years 
for it to, for you to notice that change. So it's like, if they had the fact that they had that information, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Yep. And you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a, a lot of information about that using, using, um, I, I forget what it's called. Like, a, like a, like a grindstone, like a mill is, is there, there's, there's lots of information out there about that. That's, that's, that's a, that's a deep rabbit hole. That's a whole and episode where, itself. Where we got that information, you know, is, did it come from uh, visitors, quote unquote? Did it come from ancient civilizations that were more advanced than us on this planet that we've forgotten or, uh, or both? <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, the Schumann resonance was another thing that we, when you were kind of going on a, you went on a pretty deep dive a few minutes ago, but, um, you had talked about like the group meditations and stuff like that. And could, I mean, you've, you've posted things before about how the Schumann resonance has changed based on when people have done these like global meditations, um, explain a little bit about that. Like what is the Schumann resonance and how, you know, what was that effect that happened? Um, well, the, and I'm not a scientist, but the Schumann resonance is basically the, the resonant the resonant frequency that the earth generally holds, which is like 7.8 Hertz. And, um, it's been, it's been spiking a lot. And we've, we've noticed there, we, not as in me, but people, (laughs) people are keeping, keeping track of, of the, the, the day-to-day, um, frequency of the Schumann resonance and noticing that it tends to spike when there are things like massive, um, organized massive meditations and things like that. And, um, and I also think it has to do with that shifting energies. Like, like, like I was talking about, it's a, it's a combination of, of both of those things, but it's, it's, and I don't know how long they've been keeping track of it, but it's definitely spiking significantly, like as in, you know, as in many, many, many times more than that, those 7.8 Hertz. I don't know exactly. But um, it's been happening fairly regularly these days, and it's and there's there's also evidence of shifts, you know, on a physical level happening on other planets in our solar system. Things that that are happening when you're speaking in terms of of space, which generally things happen really slow, are happening extremely fast. All these changes. So there's there's some kind of change afoot, whether we know what it is or not. <laughs> On on uh, on the scientific level, there's definitely something happening, and I think all those those different pieces of scientific evidence help put it in a perspective for people who you know they they look at a lot of these things, the metaphysical stuff. They'll look at things like meditation and you know crystal bowls and all this kind of stuff that we're talking about. They'll look at it as like woo woo and kind of stuff, but. But when you put it in a perspective where there's scientific things to back these up, it's not just philosophy, it's not just new age spiritual things, it's backed up by a lot of different scientific stuff. So like wanting to talk about the, what the Schumann resonance was, um, you know, there, there is like documented correlations between global mass meditations. They did one, I think for when the, um, they did a huge one I th- just recently with the wildfires in Australia, they did like mm. a global meditation for all that kind of stuff, you know, whether that affected anything or not. I mean, that's, that's to be said, but there was definitely like, they're measuring the Schumann resonance of the earth. They do these global meditations and they literally can see a noticeable change. And at the time they do these, these, um, yeah. And there's meditations. also another thing that they keep track of where they, where they have these, uh, random number generators placed all over yes. the planet. And, um, they keep track of, you know, how, how, whether there's a level of coherence because left on their own, they're, they're kind of equal, you know, 
if, if it's binary between ones and zeros. But when um, when massive things happen, like I, I remember 9-11 was one of those things uh-huh. where it moved into a space where it was not balanced anymore. And it was, it was obvious something had happened where, you know, people were facing you know, what I think happened and, and what I think they think happened is people start facing the direction and start start looking at the same thing together. And our consciousness actually ends up affecting the the random number generators and it becomes not so random. <laughs> but there's there's a lot of info out there about that stuff too. There's There's cool stuff. So many rabbit holes to dive down. There really are. There's so many things that this leads to, but um, you know, this, this kind of stuff, these little, these little breadcrumbs that you can drop for people, the stuff that you've dropped along your way has opened people's eyes. I mean, look at what it did for me. I was probably one of the most uh, you know thick people that you could have imagined who would have never been into this kind of stuff. And yeah. You know, and just- once you, once you start realizing that stuff and looking at it and, and start thinking about what the implications could be, you start to see how the only way this can really happen is if our consciousness is affecting our reality. Yes. And once you go, once you start to believe that might be the case or fully believe that is the case, and there's lots of other things too, like um, uh, drawing a blank of what it's called right now. Um, the, the wave particle theory where they were shooting particles. Yes. The, yeah, the, uh, the double, double slit, slit experiment. experiment. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was looking for, and so many other things where our consciousness is—it's scientifically proven that our consciousness is affecting reality. Which you see that, and you don't think about it. You're like, oh wow, that's cool. But when you start to think about it, you're like, I wonder how deep that actually goes. Because yeah. if that's the case, and then you can jump into all the conspiracy theories. Why are we kept so divided? Seemingly, sometimes seemingly intentionally. I don't want to take it too far down the negative path, but. Why are we kept so divided? Why? Uh, how? How much does television program actually program our brains? How much does the monetary system keep us facing, um, facing away from the things we actually want, putting an intermediary in between it? So that's what you're focusing on. And if you know, if our whether it's intentional or not, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. I have my own <laughs> thoughts on that, but that's 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 another whole that's another whole six month conversation. Um, <laughs> maybe it'll be for part, part two of an episode that we can do sometime. But, um, the, uh, now I lost my train of thought, but yeah, once you start realizing the implications that might be involved with our, our consciousness, actually it physically affecting the world around us, that starts to change everything. And a lot of other things start, you start to be open to a lot of other things like, um, all the stuff we've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what did it for me because I have such an analytical investigative mind. It's kind of like how I was conditioned over so many years. And as soon as I started to 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 dive down some of the things, I mean, you pointed me in the direction of like Nassim Harriman and and a lot of the stuff that's on like the Gaia Network. And I'm totally into um, mystery teachings with Teresa Bullard. It's like my absolute favorite show. Um, and I mean, she's like super, I mean, she's a super talented physicist and some of the stuff that she says, just I'm pretty into it and it goes over my head. I have to listen to the episodes a couple times just to comprehend what she's saying, but it, it just, it, it builds a solid scientific basis for some of these things that people would consider woo woo where, you know, they do these studies with the, the Hadron Collider. I talk about this a lot recently because it's created like a wonder of the the micro, the smaller end of the scale, just like the macro did for me all growing up. I was always fascinated with the cosmos. And I remember having, I think it was Carl Sagan's The Cosmos, a huge thick book with all these awesome pictures of like Nebula mm. and when the Hubble was first getting pictures and all that kind of stuff. And I was always fascinated with how big the universe was and, and more into that. And now recently I find myself more 
turning into the the inward fascination of how small the inner universe really is. And the, they've discovered that Planck length that is, um, the smallest measurable distance that they've basically been able to come up with through the Hadron Collider. And down yeah, at that it, scale is, is so small. And you, if you dive into the, the holographic theory, then moving in internally is also moving externally. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's amazing. I mean, down at that level, everything's vibration. And what's, what are your thought patterns? What is mm-hmm. what you're doing with the bulls back behind you? Every, it's all vibration. So you just have to wonder how, all that stuff is connected and because it is, you know, yeah, and we're at a time now where, where science is catching up to what spirituality has been saying since, since forever in mm-hmm. our recorded history. So true. So true. And they're even using the terminologies again. I mean, that's what Teresa Bullard says in a lot of her stuff. She's a, she's a Kabbalist. She studies a lot of the ancient uh, Kabbalah and stuff like that. And um, she always talks about like now science is starting to come up with these terms like alchemy and all these things that have been, you know, in you know thousands of years ago that were in these books. And now science is all of a sudden using these terms again. So it's, it's kind of fascinating. It's kind of, a, it's an exciting time all around. It's a, it's a scary time. It's an exciting time, but you just wonder what's going to come out of all this, you know, turmoil and knowledge and all these things that we're, we're doing now. And once the, the world gets back into a better sense of resonance with the, whatever the next stage is, just wonder what everything is going to shake out into. It's an exciting time. Definitely. So Ben, as we get closer to wrapping up, um, I want to actually, at the end of the episode, I will play a song, but your, your most recent album is called becoming light. And that came out, what was it? Late 2019. Yeah. October of 2019. Yep. Um, and then you had two other albums, I think before that one that were more of your, your sound healing stuff. It was multidimensional voice. And then the one in between those two was, um, Awakening the chakras, which Awakening was just singing bowl music without yes. that voice. Well, there was one track with voice, but yeah, those are the the three albums in yeah. the in the new style. <laughs> yeah, and all all great stuff. I have every single one of them. I mean that the one with the chakras helped me get through one of my most difficult times in life. Or even like if I couldn't sleep, I would use that for meditation, all that kind of stuff. So it was mm. all of them, all great stuff. If people haven't checked them out, this is your opportunity to go and check these things out. But um, so where can people check you out a little bit more if they're interested and they want to see more of the stuff that you've got going on and what you might have for some future, not only in person, but now the, that you've affected the, the art of online sound healing events, where can they get more info? The, the portal, the, all the stuff is, um, inner self sustained.com. And you know, you can, you can find me on Facebook from there on, on Instagram, on YouTube and find my event list there and sign up for my email list. And all that fun stuff, innerselfsustained.com. And we'll have we'll have that information in the show notes as well. So all right, Ben. This has been this has been awesome. Um, I know there's so many little tidbits of stuff that we could go down other rabbit holes. So maybe in the future we'll have to dive into some of these deeper things. We'll pick one of those subjects and dive down one of those holes. It's uh yeah, I could do this stuff with you forever, man. It's it's awesome. Um and I'm hoping to see you see you again soon in 3D once we're able to start getting out there and um opening the world back up and get into this stuff. So so we're going to play a song from your most recent album, uh, Becoming Light. And what is the, uh, the title track to this one again? Uh, well, the, the song we're talking about playing is a song called Remembering Many Lifetimes. Yes. Is there anything sp- specific that you want to mention about this one? Does it have any sort of uh, specific target or anything? Well, this is um, a, the, the main melody and uh, chunks of it are one of the melodic pieces that uh, continually come up in the the sound journey work events, working with people. 
you know, kind of tied to to the second chakra and just kind of working and moving stuff and starting to remember a little bit more of the depth that you have inside, I guess, is the quick and easy way to, to say it without extending the podcast for another hour. Awesome. <laughs> all right, my friend, it was great to finally have you on here and um, keep doing all the awesome stuff that you do. Uh, you know, it's much appreciated by everybody who follows you. And I'm hoping this, uh, this can help get the word out there a bit more about everything that you're doing and um, keep up the good work, my friend. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And, and same to you. Keep up the good work. I'm, I'm psyched. Your podcast is, is doing well and everything. So awesome, amazing. And I'm grateful. Thank you. Same here. Grateful for all that you do. And thanks for coming on. Thank you. So a huge thanks to Ben for stopping on the show. And we'll play this song right now from his latest album called Becoming Light. This one's called Remembering Many Lifetimes. Also, for anyone who's interested in checking out one of his live online sound healing events, he's going to be holding one on June 19th of 2020 at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And I'll also say this, that any time that you listen to one of Ben's sound healing events, use a really good set of headphones, um, like the ones that go over your ears, just a really big dynamic set of headphones, or be in a room that has a really good, powerful, um, broad range, like surround sound system or something. Um, the way that these sound waves carry, you're definitely just not going to get the effects from listening to it, the speakers on your phone. So um, if you do give these things a shot, especially the song that we're about to play, um, play with some really good, uh, a good sound system with some good depth in it. And if you have an interesting or inspiring story that you would like to share, hit me up. Maybe we can get you on an episode of the podcast. You can reach me at connect at livethislife.org. That's C-O-N-N-E-C-T at livethislife.org. Until next time, keep finding life. Keep living. Thank you so much for listening.